I want you to venture back in time with me to a date that was not that all along, all that long ago in the past. This wonderful, amazing, exceptional, special span of time between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Of course, I'm talking about the Christmas break from school. The Christmas break from school is a really big deal in my house. My wife, of course, is a teacher. I have two daughters who are early in their school careers. So needless to say, we love the school break. And during the school break, we do all kinds of fun things. We make a point to spend some time together. Things usually slow down a little bit here at the church, so we're able to spend a lot of time together that week or so. And we did a lot. We had a lot of fun. And on the evening of New Year's Day, that is the night of January 1st, my oldest daughter, who's in kindergarten, she comes to me and she says, Dad, I'm very sad. And it's concerning to me, so I said, why are you sad? I don't want to go back to school tomorrow. Well, why not? Well, I want to stay home with you and Mom and my sister and I wish it could be like that every single day. I wish we could be together all day, every single day. And she says this, and of course your heart kind of melts. And it's this warm, wonderful, validating feeling. And you realize how very blessed you are. But you're also concerned. You're going to go to school tomorrow, and, and you love school, remember? Every day you come home, you tell me how much you love school. You tell me how much fun you have. You tell me all about the things you learned. You tell me how much you love learning. You have so many friends at school. You love your friends. I know you love spending time with your friends. I feel like every third day I'm at one of their birthday parties. <laughs> your teachers are there. You love your teachers. You love learning stuff. You love doing homework. You love the lunch. You love the recess. You love riding the bus. You love everything about school. You won't stop talking about it. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I love it, but I love being home more. And I'm going to miss being home. And so I said, well, there's a, there's a word to describe what you're feeling. And that word is bittersweet. And as I'm trying to explain this word to her, I feel like an expert in that moment. Because you're talking to your daughter who's growing up. And it's a wonderful, amazing, blessed thing to see your child growing up. But parents, it's also kind of sad, isn't it? You think to yourself, wasn't I just at the hospital? Didn't we just bring her home from the hospital? Bittersweet. You all know what that word means. You all know what that experience is. Life in this world, as we all know, is something of a mixed bag. There is some good, there is some wonderful, there is some amazing, and there is some not so good, not so wonderful, not so amazing. There is bad. There is joy, there is sadness, there is high, there is low, there is bitter, and there is sweet. For all of us, I know a lot of you pretty well, a lot of you, you ask me all the time, how are you doing, pastor? And I have a standard answer. What's my standard answer? Great! Amazing. I'm doing awesome. Oh, my goodness. 
everything's great. It's not. There's nobody in this world for whom life is entirely great. On the flip side of the coin, every so often I'll ask you, how are you doing? And some of you might say, terrible. Everything's terrible. And we talk about it, and you know, when we talk through it, most of the time it turns out, well, not everything is terrible. There are some good things in your life, too. The thing about life, the cup is always half empty and half full at the same time. Bittersweet. There are no experts, or we're all experts, on that topic. And I thought of this topic today as I read our reading for this week, that second reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And I'm going to be up front and open and honest with all of you before we get into this reading. I do not like this reading. I don't like it at all. Now, understand what I'm saying. I don't want you to leave church today and talk to each other and say, Pastor Browning in church today, he said he didn't like the Bible. <laughs> no, no, it's just this reading. And it's short, so I'll read the entire thing again to you, if you don't mind. Brothers and sisters, what I mean is that the time is short. From now on, those who have a husband or wife should live as if they did not. Those who mourn should live as if they did not. Those who are happy should live as if they were not. Those who buy something should live as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world should not become all wrapped up in them. The world as it now exists is passing away. Yay. Fun. What's the point? What is he trying to tell us? I mean, isn't it obvious? He tells us the point in the first sentence. I read it again. What I mean is, the time is short. Your time is short. And if that's not enough, if that's not jarring enough, he expands on that initial point by making some following points that feel a little bit out of bounds, that feel a little bit unnecessary, almost like a punch in the gut. Those who live as if, those who have a husband or wife should live, should live as if they did not. Those who mourn should live as if they did not. Those who are happy, filled with joy, should live as if they were not. He makes it sound urgent. He makes it seem desperate. How short is your time? It's frighteningly short. And I hear this and I read this. And I say, no kidding. I understand exactly what you're trying to say. I get it. We all do, because for a lot of us, this is our reality every single day. Feeling as though we don't have enough time. You ever feel that way? One person. You ever feel that way? That's better. Good. All the time. I always feel like I'm catching up. I always feel like I'm running behind. Time is short. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But the bigger and the grander point is the point about our world. Look around you. Look at the world. And let's not try and put the best construction on it. 
Let's see it for what it is. Let's see it for what it's becoming. The world as we know it is collapsing. It's decaying. Because the world as we know it is defined by sin. And the destiny of things defined by sin is what? Is death. The world is passing away. Time is short. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. The reality check of reality checks. I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. I don't look like the person I was 10 years ago. My wife and I, as you may have noticed, if you parked on this side of the building, we're clearing out our basement. And it's an interesting process. Part of the process, you see all these old pictures of yourself. And you say, who is that person? Who was that person? Where does the time go? You ever feel that way? Where, where does the time go? If you don't, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just think of some moments from your life. Like your high school graduation. Like your wedding. Like the time you brought your child home from the hospital. How long ago was that? Yesterday. That's what it feels like, right? But the number tells us something else. And the other thing about clearing out the basement and filling up a dumpster, you realize there's a lot of stuff. A lot of things. My life is too much about stuff and things. And where's it all going to end up? It's going to end up in a, in a dumpster. And, and, and so the inevitable question is, why do we fall in love with the things of this world? Because we do. All the time. We pitch our tents in this world. We buy our things. We buy our stuff. We make life about things and stuff. And we think this is where it's at. In the grand scheme of things, the six or seven or eight or nine or ten decades we have on this earth, it's nothing. The snap of a fingers. The blink of an eye. It's over. The world as we know it, the world as it now exists, is passing away. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. And one of the great things about the Bible, the Word of God, and coming to church and hearing the Word proclaimed and reading the Bible for yourself, is that every so often, or a lot of times, most of the times, the Bible just rocks your world. It inspires you, it strengthens you. You hear something, you say, yes! That's exactly right, I love that! Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live and never die. Or Jesus who says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Or Jesus on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus forgives everybody. He loves everybody. And as St. Paul writes, there is nothing in this universe, not life, not death, not anything, that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves us no matter what. Amen. I love hearing that stuff. I can't hear that stuff enough. But other times, the Word of God, the Bible, it tells us things, and we don't like it. And it's not what we want to hear. But make no mistake, we need to hear it. Your time is short. The world is passing away.
There it is, in black and white. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But Jesus says the same thing. Jesus makes the same point, doesn't he? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away. It's inevitable. It's your destiny. It's your fate. Heaven and earth will pass away. But then he says something else. Does anyone remember what he says? He says, heaven and earth will pass away, comma, but my word will never pass away. The word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. And that word comes to you today. Whether you think you need it or not, whether you heard it or not, that word comes to you today and proclaims what you need to hear, what you need to have. I say it again, the word of God, all of your sins are forgiven. All of your sins are forgiven. The world is dying, the world is decaying, the world is defined by sin, but you are not. You've been changed. You've been made new. You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You wear Jesus Christ. That's what happened to you when you were baptized. You put on Christ. And you put on Christ forever. That's the word he speaks to you today. A word so real, you can wear it. A word so real, you can eat it and drink it. Chew it. And know forgiveness beyond the shadow of a doubt. Know that forgiveness is yours. Because that word became flesh. Words aren't things we just speak in the church. The word of God is not just something we speak or hear. The word of God is living and active. The word of God is a human being. God's only son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says you're forgiven, there's something behind that. He came down to this world. He gave up heaven. He gave up his throne, his place at the right hand of God the Father because he loves you more than he loves heaven. He died on a cross. He laid down his life because he loves you more than he loves his own life. And he rose again to proclaim forever to you and to make it yours. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, there's bitter, but there's sweet. Jesus, the goodness, the love, the mercy, the life, the death, the resurrection, the undying love of Jesus Christ is yours, and that's what defines you. His goodness, his love, his grace, his everything. In the kingdom of God, the goodness overcomes the bitter. Because Jesus has removed the bitterness of sin and death. And in the kingdom of God, the goodness gets the last word. That is your last word. Forgiveness, eternity, life everlasting. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, amen. I invite you.